0: And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is a cold, wet November 4th, and last night, Atlanta United practically secured an MLS playoff berth with a but ugly 0-0 draw at New York Red Bulls in gorgeous Harrison, New Jersey. There's really not a whole lot to talk about in the game. Um, Atlanta United was held to one shot on goal, which tied for its lowest mark, the seventh time that's happened. Its one chance created was its fewest amount in an MLS match, its two total shots, or its fewest ever in an MLS match. But the team got its tenth shutout. It showed that it could handle pressure for 90 minutes. It really limited New York to just one good scoring opportunity, even though the Red Bulls did put 15 shots on goal, or took 15 shots, put three on goal. And that one good opportunity was by Klamala, who would have been ruled offside had the um, play been reviewed, uh, should he have scored, but Guzan saved the shot. Atlanta United won more duels, which is a good sign. Um, possession, it was dominated 56-43, to 43, but that's kind of what happens when Atlanta United goes to Red Bulls, where it remains winless uh, in its history, but is 0-6-4, and is still yet to score a goal against Red Bulls in Harrison, New Jersey. I think it scored one against NYCFC, or maybe it didn't earlier this year. Uh, So it's just not a good place for Atlanta to play. Um, But, again, it practically secured a playoff berth. The only way it can lose a playoff berth is if it loses to Cincinnati by at least seven goals on Sunday on Decision Day, and Red Bulls were to get a result against Nashville. Nashville has secured a playoff spot, um, So, but it will be playing to try to keep that third seed or maybe earn the second seed, so it will have something to play for uh, when it hosts Red Bulls. Philadelphia and NYCFC are going to play each other. As we look at the table here, I'm going to go through it really fast for you. New England with 73 points, Supporter Shield winners. Congrats to the Revs. Philadelphia and Nashville are tied on uh, 53 points, but Philadelphia has the first tiebreaker wins, 14-12. to 12. And fourth is NYCFC with 50, and fifth is Atlanta United with 48, and sixth is Orlando with 48, but Atlanta has that first tiebreaker, um, which is win- uh, which – I'm sorry, with the second tiebreaker, which is goal difference. Red Bulls are in seventh with 47. Montreal is in eighth with 46. DC is in ninth with 44. Columbus is in tenth with 44. Those teams have not been eliminated yet. Um, for Atlanta United to host a playoff game, it needs to win on Sunday, and for NYCFC to lose because NYCFC has the first tiebreaker wins. So I just posted a, a story you could find on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC or on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. With all of Atlanta United's playoff scenarios, I may have forgotten one, but I think I included them all. Uh, If you want to go through and chuck my math, uh, that is uh, what to – that would be appreciated. I'm sorry. I was looking at something somebody sent me really quick. Um, All right. So because there's not a lot to talk about in the game, um, let's go through your questions. Now, going backward, because that's how they show up in my email timeline. We go to front of the podcast, Adam. Um, True or false, Atlanta's midfielders and attackers need to improve their individual marking and defending skills. I ask because it seemed the Stripes really struggled in challenging Red Bulls' ball handlers. Um, this is a tough one because, again, Gonzalo Pineda went with the back five. So, again, Atlanta United was one man down in the midfield. You could almost argue – yeah. At least one man down. You could almost argue two men down because Marino was not going to really drop back and play defense. He was trying to stay forward to be an outlet, but Atlanta United could never give him the ball. So, too often Atlanta United's midfielders, Franco Albarra and Mateus Roseto, were facing three to four guys, and none of the center backs were going to step up, step forward, because tactically that would make a whole lot of sense, and try to help. So, they were constantly outnumbered. This is why I don't really understand. Uh, when Red Bull showed they were going to play a back four, why Pineda didn't switch to a back four, figure out some way to have uh, Robinson or Franco move up to be a defensive midfielder. I don't know if they've trained it. That might be why. Instead of playing that back five, um, he says he doesn't want to play the back five, or he doesn't want to really go to a back four until Santiago Sosa returns because he's the one that's kind of been trained in it the most as to how to drop back and be a, a third center back or even a false fullback. For Atlanta United, but to have to rely on one person for your tactical flexibility, I think, is very, very dangerous. Um, last, uh, last night's 10th shutout notwithstanding, uh, it was a, a very difficult game to watch. It had to be a very difficult game to play for Atlanta United. So I don't know if they need to improve their individual marking and defending skills, but I think they could use help uh, in numbers. Uh, Adam's second question. Against pressing teams, Atlanta tends to panic. And loses composure with their movements off the ball. As a result, there would often be few to no outlets for Atlanta when they did get the ball on their defensive end. Who in the midfield could, should be better directing traffic in this regard? Um, yeah, I don't know if it lost composure. Red Bulls' pressure was just really, really tough to break down. And when it did finally break, the Red Bulls would foul. And instead of taking the kick quickly – the ref would give Red Bulls time to get back and get organized again, so Atlanta really couldn't take advantage of its fast break opportunities, and then the two that it had that come to mind were wasteful, uh one by Barco and one by Arahujo, and then of course, they had the one shot at the end by uh, Bello, but it was hit right at the goalkeeper um, So I think they just it's, it's still a very young midfield, Huzetu, abara, Sosa, who didn't play. They just need experience, I think. And they still, I think, need a a captain on the field who's not a goalkeeper, who's in the middle of the field, who can talk to the guys and kind of direct them as to what they need to do as the game is is ongoing. So thank you for that, Adam. Now we're going to go to Mark. What was the strategy going into last night's game? Did the players execute the strategy? If not, why? Why? So the strategy was um, Joseph Martinez was being held out because of load management. You might be able to hear our cuckoo clock in the background here. And so Pineda elected to go with a false nine formation, the dual false nines of Barco and Arahujo. That worked very well the first time it was used against Orlando and really has not worked well since. And I'll get into that in a second. But the idea was that Barco and Arahujo were going to make runs in behind the defense to long balls played over the top by Lanny United's midfielders and defenders. But those balls were hit. And when they were hit, uh, they weren't hit into a spot where either Barca or Arhujo could run onto them. And so it just didn't work. Um, Red Bulls were very well drilled by Sainte. They played very, very well. They were fighting for their playoff lives. They needed a win to secure a playoff board. Um, and so the tactic, it, it, I get the idea was good, I suppose. Uh, the execution was not good, um, and this kind of gets into if you're going to play the false nines, you can't do it with Barco, in my opinion, uh, or Moreno, uh, if he were to be the other false nine, because neither are fast enough to to get to those balls in space. You give them the ball at their feet, and they can run at defenders, and they're they're you know fast enough then. But to try to beat a defender to a ball over the top, they can't do. And Barco isn't tall enough or strong enough to win aerial duels. For those long balls, if they are hit directly at him, it's a giant problem. Moreno's not either. So if you do the false nine again, it's almost I would bench Moreno, put Barco as the attacking midfielder, and then either Kubo or Conway to try to win those aerial duels. Neither one of them are going to win a foot race either, but they can at least win those aerial duels. That's if Pineda decides to go back to that to that strategy. But I'll be uh, I'll be surprised because it just really has not worked the past couple of times that he's. Used it. Uh, Matthew Shank, who I think is a first-time question submitter to the podcast. Matthew, if you submitted others, I apologize. Uh, What are the reasons the club continues to throw out a back three? Is it tactical or personnel-related? My suspicion is the club can't decide between Walks or Franco to the bench, and they don't want to upset either of them since they will probably be the starting center-back pairing in a back four next year, assuming Miles is sold. But from my untrained eye, it feels like a lot of the issues with open space in the midfield, could be solved by going to a back four and bringing on another central midfielder. And with Miles and Anton or Allen with more than sufficient to cover in the back. Yeah, um, you know, we've been asking Pineda about the back four, and he has said he doesn't want to do it basically until Santiago Sosa returns from injury. And as I just said a few minutes ago, I think it's dangerous to have to rely on one player uh to do whatever the tactic is you're trying to, to execute. Um I know that it if that player is super duper special, uh Ronaldo or a Messi or a Lewandowski, then that's fantastic. Um you can do that. But Santiago Sosa is not that guy. He's a good guy, but he's not a world class player. Um and so, you know, I thought we I thought we would see the back four against Miami. I thought we would see it against Red Bulls. I think we're going to see it against Cincinnati. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's a curious one. It's, it's really interesting because if you remember, in 2018, Tata switched from a back four to a back five for the playoffs because he realized that to win the, end of the playoffs, you're going to have to play defensive soccer. It seems now like Pineda needs to switch from a back five to a back four because the team cannot win midfield right now. It hasn't in its past few games, which is why it struggled to score goals, in my opinion. All right. We're going to Nick. Uh, I hope you and your family enjoyed the World Series. Well, thank you, Nick. We did very much. It still feels a little surreal to me, but my friends and I had a great time last night. Well, that's great. And, you know, the paper, you can buy. the paper. They're putting out special extra editions of our Commemorative World Series sections um, in, in local grocery stores in Atlanta. Uh, it's going to be in the Sunday paper. We're putting out a book, so please look for all those things. Anyway, Nick goes to his question as soon as I take my coffee sip here. My Atlanta United-related question is, since Heinzel was fired, Atlanta United is 10-5-3, which is one of the best records in the East. Considering we didn't win a soccer game in three months prior to that, I think that's pretty darn good. Am I wrong? No. No, you're exactly right. Pineda and Valentino have done a fantastic job uh, with Atlanta United. What I think you're starting to see, at least in the past few games, I was messaging someone about this just a bit ago, is I think it's starting to dawn on Pineda why DeBoer and Glass and Heinza had some troubles with this roster because – I think some players just have difficulty executing some of the tactics within the game for whatever reason, either mentally or physically or awareness or what. And what he's trying to get them to do, they're just not doing. And this was a complaint of Glass. It was a complaint of Frank. I don't think Pineda is going to do that yet. Uh, He's still trying to win trust and confidence, and he's not going to badmouth his players. But he has said, you know, again and again— Simple pass, simple run, simple decision. And last night you saw some more examples of of some poor decisions when Atlanta United had time on the ball. So, we will see what happens against Cincinnati, and the playoffs are a brand new season, as Atlanta United President Darren Eels likes to say, and anything can happen. Uh, Also, uh, should I be on the lookout for more full page AJC headlines? I still have my United ones. and want to make sure I get these, too. Uh, I don't know what that question is, Nick. Um, If you want to message me again, I will try to answer. Ben says, hey, Doug, I enjoy your coffee. Thanks. I'm going to take a sip right now. I will most likely be full French press into the day by the time you release your podcast. Well, good for you, Ben. Uh, Keep up the great work. Thank you. Uh, do you think Pineda pulled a Schmetzer and went full anti-soccer as his tactical plan? No. Pineda does not want to do that. He wants to attack. He wants to be on the front foot. He said this many, many times. Um, I don't know how often Seattle has played at Red Bulls, being in the Western Conference. Uh, so I don't know if last night maybe surprised Pineda a little bit, just the live, the ferocity of, of Red Bulls press. Um do you think a performance like this will boost the mentality of the team in closing out games with such high stakes of the line? Yeah, I think it should defensively. Offensively, I think the team should be really concerned. Uh, you, you know, even without Joseph, you still had Moreno, you still had Marco, you still had Arahujo. That's three DPs or former DPs out there, and they couldn't do anything. Uh, that would be concerning because uh, if Atlanta United is fortunate enough to host a playoff game, this is what they're going to see. They're either going to see a press or they're going to see a bunker with a crap load of fouls, and they've got to figure out some way to solve it, and they just haven't. And I hope you're getting good weather in Philadelphia, Ben. Matt Gramowski, a friend of the podcast, uh, says, this team looks like it is going backward. Uh, maybe everyone was up too late watching the Braves last night. They all look like they didn't get enough sleep. Maybe that's true, Matt. I don't know. Uh, coffee sip. I am seeing a team that can barely complete a pass, let alone maintain possession, or make any kind of attack. There were countless turnovers, especially on long crosses, and look like they were playing a man down. I would agree with you there, and I think that's because of the, the missing man in the midfield. We aren't really talking about playoffs, are we? It's going to be a short run unless things get a lot better. Yeah, we can talk about playoffs. They've earned it, as we just talked about with uh, Ben's point. They've done very, very well under Valentino and Potato. They've earned a spot in the playoffs, so yeah, you can talk about playoffs. And then it just depends on who the next opponent is and where it is. Um, What happened? They looked so good a month ago. So this, uh, you know, it's that new manager bump that some teams get and they go on a big run and then the bump kind of disappears. But I will point out that Atlanta United... um, Still hasn't, they've lost like one of their past eight, I think. Is that right? Let's let's look that up super fast here. Uh, Atlantean United, going back through the games, tie, tie, win, tie, win, loss, win. So one, two, three, four, five, one. They've only lost one of their past seven. They may not have looked great, but they've still only lost one of their past seven. And that's pretty good, I think, overall. Uh, what's up with impact players coming out early? I think it's just load management. I think Pineda realized getting three points is going to be difficult. Let's just save these guys' legs, put in some fresh legs, and get them ready for Sunday. Uh, Noah says, okay, so out of all the games this year, this literally may be the most frustrating, and he put the in caps. My question is this, and I know it will be a hot take. All right, Noah, I'm going to take a sip of coffee, gird my loins, and get ready for a hot take. All right, from Noah. I get it. We love Joseph, and it's J-O-S-E-F, buddy, not P-H. But what does he bring to the table now besides tap-ins and penalties to set a new record? We bring him in, and nothing happens. The idea of maybe it will catch the other team off guard is ridiculous. We all know he has not and maybe never will be the same after his horrible injury. It may be time to think about what we can do to actually establish a legit attacking threat up top. Because so far, he has not been the answer in some of these really tight games. Well, I will point out, Noah, he did score the game winner a couple of games ago. Uh, But I do understand kind of what you're saying. He doesn't look good. He he doesn't have his touch uh, with dribbles, doesn't have his touch with passing right now. He doesn't look as fast. I would say get through this season, let him continue to rest, let him continue to recover. And it often takes – it can take a long time for these injuries injuries and surgeries for a player to really regain his confidence in everything. Um, but I was thinking last night it would have been a game that if Atlanta United could have kept Brandon Vasquez, he would have been perfect for. Because he's big, he's strong, he's fast, and he could have been the guy to be that target guy to beat the press. Uh, that's what I think Atlanta United needs. Um, Kubo's not it. Conway, the jury's still out, but I don't know if he has speed. Uh, but that's what Atlanta needs. But, of course, that's what a lot of teams look for. Um, but I would just pre- preach patience with Joseph. You don't forget how to score. Poachers can still last a long time in, in professional soccer. Olivier Giroux is an example. Um, so, all right. So this is a shorter podcast because there just wasn't a lot to talk about in the game. As always, you can find me on Twitter at com or on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope y'all are doing well. I hope uh, the weather's turning, the temperature's dropping. I hope y'all are staying warm. I hope you're going out to get a copy of uh, the paper uh, with all the Braves coverage, which is fantastic. Uh, I will say that the Braves didn't break the curse. It may broke its own curse, uh, but it didn't break the sports curse. Atlanta United didn't win a title in MLS 18. It has won three trophies. Uh, It would be nice if some people were to remember that. Um, And that's my opinion. Um, All right. We'll talk to you all later. Hug your loved ones. Get vaccinated if you haven't. We'll talk to you later.